Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 544. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well, better than I deserve to be. On a bit of personal news, I'd like to share with the community as a whole that I have now officially came on board as a full-time employee of VMware. I will be a digital workspace uh, technical account manager and could not be happier with, with that as far as uh, something I've been really working towards as a long-term career goal. And a special thank you to yourself, Corey, and all the members of the V community as a whole that helped me to get to this path. But enough about me, sir. How are you? How are things out there on the West Coast? And what is the color of the bay? Well, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm slightly disappointed that, uh, as usual, no one listens to me because I told everybody, do not make this man a permanent employee. You know, we have him under our thumb as a contractor. So why give him what he, what you know, will just hurt us in the end. But they didn't listen to me. They, they brought you on anyway. So congratulations. Uh, that's that's great news. Always good to be on the uh on the on the payroll for formally, although you've been contracting with us for quite a while now. Um, so uh, excited about that. The color of the bay, it's a beautiful rainy day today. So it is uh, windy and choppy out in the bay and it is dark green because it is uh, a rain. Winter has kind of come back. We get our rain in the wintertime in California. So a little bit of extra winter coming in through March here. So that, you know, we we live with that. And I see that Corey Romero is also on, a, on the call with us today. So, Mr. Romero, how's the weather out there in Utah and uh, what's happening with VXperts? You know, uh, the weather in Utah has been fantastic. The last couple of days has been sunny. Um, it's been above uh, right around about 55 degrees. Snow is starting to melt. My backyard uh, last week had about four feet and it's almost gone now. Uh, but Matt, hey, I wanted to say congratulations. Uh, love having you on. That's great news. I did not know that prior to this call. So a huge smile on my face makes me happy. Um, Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So yeah, V experts. So we've got the V experts subprogram awards coming up. Uh, they're going to be announced April third. Uh, for those of you who do not know what the subprogram awards are, uh, we have the larger V expert program, and that's for the evangelism work and the advocacy that everyone does um, in the community about VMware. Uh, but we also have specialized programs that are run, that are run and led by the business units. And so each person who is actually advocating and evangelizing around the various products and, and, and topics and services in these business units, you get the award of uh, from the business unit and you get put into a program and you actually get access, direct access to the business unit where you've got, uh, you know, private calls, NDA conversations, uh, roadmaps, all kinds of really, really cool things. And so we're going to kick off uh, eight sub programs on April 3rd for uh, modern application, or, uh, yeah, modern application, modernization, uh, cloud management, cloud providers, NSX, EUC, security, the pro, and the new one is going to be VMware Cloud on AWS. Um, so yeah, happy to happy to announce that and looking forward to April 3rd. Very cool, very cool. So yeah, good work, Corey. Uh, exciting yeah. as always. Going to be a good year as uh, vaccines come come in, in play. I can see us actually seeing more and more of us in person. So excited about that. I know several people on our team have now been vaccinated. So uh, and uh, yeah, so that's good. Uh, Matt, um, before I go, in case you're listening, what the topic is today is um, going to what is our topic today? Shoot, I've lost the topic. Oh, no. Urban Black. Agentless protection. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. I have I have the last weeks in my notes here. So, carbon black agentless agentless protection. We've got uh, Michael Redman on the call. Uh, he is a senior solutions engineer, so we will get to him momentarily. So, thanks for being here, Michael and uh, Matt. Before we get to him, uh, I know we have some events coming up. We've been talking about the events. Maybe you can just run us through what the events are going to be uh, in the next month or so. So we do. So at the end of this month, two major events. So we have FutureNet, which will be the 23rd and 24th. So that, that's the larger, lower, excuse me, larger overall uh, event that is going to be done as sort of a premier 
industry event. And then we have uh, the one really personally that, that I'm looking forward to is the uh, VMware-based event, which will be on March 31st, which will be uh, the, the name of the event, Leading Change, Accelerating Your App and Cloud Transformation. I'm sure there's going to be some major announcements here at this uh, March 31st event and something definitely, definitely to, to look forward to. So again, FutureNet on the 23rd and 24th, where we're going to have some key uh, speakers uh, from the VMware ecosystem, and then our own internal event on the 31st with some major product announcements in and around app and cloud transformation. All right. All right. Well, go register for those online at VMware.com and uh, get yourself ready for those those two events. And we appreciate uh, doing that because we're always trying to drive traffic to those guys to get registration up. Our marketing pays our salaries. And so we, we do have to do marketing on occasion. All right. With that, we'll, we'll transition to um, Michael. So, Michael, we always start on the community podcast to hear about who you are, what you do at VMware or Carbon Black, and how did you get where you are? Sure, um, thanks for having me. Um, and actually, I found my way to, to VMware over uh, EUC, so it's great to hear, Matt, that you're joining the family and doing some EUC, EUC magic. Um, I work for Citrix um, for a short while. I have a strong data center background, did a lot of digital workspace um, projects, and I joined VMware in 2018 as a uh, solution engineers with the focus on UC. So I did a lot of Horizon and Workspace ONE. Um, somehow this was kind of too boring after a while, and I decided to become more a generalist, a so-called core SE, or um, a regular solution engineer. And I focus on all the topics, all the products VMware has to offer. And uh, I engage with the community, with the partners, and yeah, I have some of the largest and most strategic customers here in Switzerland. Very nice, very nice. Uh, good, good roadmap, Ma Matt. Uh, you have you have big shoes to follow here now. Apparently, you're going to have to get going. So, um, Michael, I know you do uh, blogging. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, how you started blogging, why you blog, and then uh, we'll get into the VMware Carbon Black Cloud workload, agentless protection for VMware vSphere workloads. Uh, and that blog caught our eyes and I'll tell you what's going on with this blog uh, you know it's called cloud13.ch um, we have a dynamic signal which pushes out blog articles and you made the top 10 with regard to like a nice blog article that people are sharing so why don't you take us through why you blog and uh, then we'll get into your blog itself yeah sure um, I think the idea came up when I still was working for Citrix because I, I was a consultant and I did a lot of projects customizations I could talk about problems and use cases and I thought it's worth to share that because nobody will um, give you that information um, for free and I thought I should do that and when I started at VMware uh, without having any horizon workspace nor uh, works as one knowledge um, I had to start from scratch obviously since I had no really no knowledge, no, no experience in that matter um, when it came uh, to the EUC process of Yummer. And I said, okay, let's document that. Um, I want to prove the world and, and everyone that it's possible to start from zero and come up to speed very fast um, and said, let's give it a shot. And I was very motivated as a new hire. Um, I was thinking about starting the, the journey to VCDX. Um, Maybe it's a dream, maybe it's becoming reality someone in the future, but this was the main idea. And as soon as I changed my role within VMware, I saw that um, there's a lot more to, to write about. So if you talk about multi-cloud, I think probably you can reach more people um, in, in the cloud area, or if we talk about containerization or app modernization. And my blog mostly focus on simplifying the VMware message and the portfolio because I, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that we have so many products at VMware, it's very complicated and everyone is talking about, let's say intrinsic security, uh, everything is built in, um, it shouldn't be bolted on. Um, and I want to normally paraphrase um, different articles and, and sentences and write summaries that customers and partners and even VMware employees understand the VMware offering or the value of VMware um, much better. 
So this is this is my goal. Very nice, very nice. So let's uh, let's uh, start talking about VMware and Carbon Black and uh, agentless protection. So maybe just give a su summary. Carbon Black's new to VMware in the last year. Most people have heard about it now, uh, but why don't you take us through? You know what what this means. I know that you know obviously security has always been agent driven. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Carbon Black and their your agentless model? Yeah, sure. So I mean, I'm a core SE. I'm not a uh, I don't belong to the carbon black business unit or the security business unit within VMware. And I was curious what agentless means. Is it really that simple? Is it intrinsic? Is it uh, built in and not bolted on, right? I wanted to figure out how easy is it for an admin um, to have this agentless security. And in the end, carbon black cloud workload or CBC workload is, is VMware's data center um, security product. It means it can protect your workloads. Um, currently, with this first initial launch, it's it's able to protect um, Windows and Linux workloads on uh, vSphere-based environments, and the future will enable customers um, to protect any workloads, any virtualized workloads in any cloud. And I thought I want to try it. I want to see how easy it is. I installed it in my home lab, tried to make sure um, that I get access to a Carbon Black Cloud tenant. and. Then this article happened, and I was not expecting uh, this feedback and this reach. So it's it's great to hear that I made it to the top ten with this one. Now, Michael, great. how did you go about installing? You know, we have lots of listeners that are out there that run home labs, and one of the things that we have always talked about that the challenge now that we're facing with some of these more SaaS services is how do you obtain even a home lab or an NFR access to this license. Now, obviously we're, we're employees and we get some freebies and some really nice things that, that we can run on our home lab. But if is there a, a trial version of, of, for a listener that's out there? Or can you explain a little bit of how you got access to, to install those necessary components in your lab? It was it something that you had as an employee or can anyone go and do this? Um, let's say in general, everyone can do that, right? Um, and for sure, you can sign up for a trial. I'm in another position that I have certain contacts with VMware, and in this case, the security business unit, and they made it possible that I could get access to a, um, a shared tenant for the German team. And I started really from scratch. I had no clue about it. Um, I opened the eDocs and was going through it step by step. And in the end, it worked. So what I figure out is, okay, agentless is not really agentless. We can call it agentless because the carbon black cloud uh, workload sensor is integrated in the in the VMR tools. And since the sensor is integrated in the tools, it means we don't need another agent, and we call it agentless. So quote unquote agentless, right? And um, I would recommend if you want to test that, um, contact your VMR rep. They can uh, get you in touch with or connect you with the security business unit and the specialists. They even can help you to, to build up your environment and to connect your VC environment with the Carbon Black Cloud um, instance. And then you're good to go. It was pretty easy. I think it took me two or three hours max, um, including the downloads of, of the necessary components. And um, I had my first protected workloads. So re reach out to your rep, reach out to your TAM, and uh, they will help you to, to get a tenant set up to, to do a PSC here. Let's walk through some of the components you said that, that you had to install. So above and beyond, obviously the, the components of this, as you had said, are some of it are built into the VMware tools agent. What else needs to be installed to have this launched properly? Um, if I recall correctly, it was just the Carbon Black Cloud uh, workload appliance. And this, this was all, to be honest. So you had the appliance, um, I had to manually download VMR tools because it was not available with the current vSphere uh, version I had back then. And after I signed up for the, the shared tenant and connected the, v, um, the Carbon Black Cloud Workload appliance with my vCenter, everything was happening in the background. I had connection to the, to the Carbon Black Cloud tenant. And then um, this, this, this was it. It's re it was really simple. And is that appliance an OVA, or is that something that needs installed on a Windows box? Um, it's it's an appliance. You can import that. It's it's very small. I think it's about four CPUs, um, eight gigs of RAM, and maybe forty gigs of storage. So it's pretty small. Um, I haven't checked the 
let's say the details of the of the appliance and how it's built but um i think it's it says that it's very easy everyone can do that and that's why i think it's it's true that we talk about intrinsic we will talk about build in and leverage the power of your existing infrastructure and what so you have these necessary components installed obviously you have vmware tools it's a pretty standard thing to put on a windows or a linux box how is that appliance then aware of those vms is there a specific install string that you have to to when you're laying down vmware tools onto a vm to make it aware of the appliance or or how does the the appliance gain knowledge of the vms that you want to protect in the the infrastructure yeah that's a good question um in the end it's just connecting the vsphere um the, the vCenter server um, with this appliance, then it can gather the data. It has the understanding of the environment. And um, this is how you then protect the workload. So it means in the vSphere client, you have um, a separate menu, a sub menu, and then you can click on carbon black. And let's say just set the tick box and enable protection for, uh, for a certain VM. So this is all built into the vSphere client. This isn't like I have to go to a separate web console for that appliance it's built natively into the vSphere client that i click on that vm and then just a separate dialog box and if i want to enable protection i can yes exactly so you don't have to go to the carbon black cloud console this is just needed for the initial setup uh, that you get the right data for the uh, to configure the connection but as soon as as you have done that everything can the vSphere administrator can do and see everything in the vSphere console and this is this is yeah. a great thing here, right? Yeah, that's an interesting thing because last week we had a plugin guy in come to talk about the vCenter plugin architecture. And if you, I like your diagram that you have on your blog. So the blog is www.cloud13.ch, and you can one just look three, one three cloud one three dot ch one three dot ch. Um, you have a diagram here that talks about it, right? Shows it nicely how this is laid out between the carbon black cloud and vCenter. And it really is just a carbon black plugin that's part of vCenter that then enables it to talk to the carbon black cloud. And it looks like VMware tools is now enabled to allow that connection to happen back to the carbon black cloud as well. So vCenter talks to carbon black cloud through the plugin. Uh, VMware tools talks to carbon black cloud as part of the tools update that's available. And so now you just have the connections just kind of built in as long as you have that plugin. I don't know where the plugin comes from. Is that part of the install process when you, when you uh, went and set things up or whether vCenter version seven does have that carbon black plugin available. Yeah, the appliance deploys in the end the plugin um, for, for, for the vCenter server and then the collection can happen, exactly. Great, yeah, okay. uh, which, is, uh, which is pretty smart. Have you, have you used it? Like, so, okay, there's one thing that we've talked about, which is setup, which is st sounds straightforward, right? And it is agentless. Nah, it's kind of not, it is agent. It, it does have an agent, but the agent's built into VMware tools, right? So uh, VMware Clever tools- marketing. Yeah, clever, clever <laughs> marketing. Yeah, right. Especially for your blog, right? But uh, but it it is since and you're not adding a new agent to your platform. Everybody already has VMware tools installed on all your VMs, so that makes sense. Um, so now it gets into like, okay, so how is it working? Like this is the problem that I always have with security, which is. Security is one of these things is you only know it's not working when somebody brings down your server, manages to get in and you have issues, right? So how do you know, or how do you get feedback that this thing is doing what it's supposed to be doing? Um, within the vSphere client, you can, um, let's say, if, it, if you talk about vulnerability management, I think this is this is the first piece. Is, um, to be honest, this was the only use case and feature I could test with the cloud, uh, Carbon Black Cloud 10 I had. And so I was um, wondering if I can see the vulnerabilities and, and the risk score. And what I just checked is how does it look in the Carbon Black Cloud console? So let's right. say this is the IPsec view in the console. Uh, the vSphere admin works only with the vSphere client. And I could see that my Windows um, server OS machines had some certain vulnerabilities with, with, a, with, a, with a score behind. Um, and to be honest, I didn't, didn't do that much because I said, okay, this is fine, um, mission accomplished. I, I, I know now what it can do, how it works. And the next part I wanted to try because I have a UC background, 
um, without, let's say, reading that documentation or knowledge-based articles, was to use that for Horizon. I said, okay, um, I know we struggled in the past. It's always a challenge if you talk about antivirus or for vulnerability management and scanning of images uh, and virtual desktops. And I just enabled it. Um, obviously, it failed. Uh, it, it was not working um, since it was a cloning process in the background. I understood stood with my basic knowledge that it should work, but I think I did something wrong since I, yeah, let's say I'm not a specialist here. But um, what, I, what I mentioned on my blog in my article is that Horizon together with Carbon Black is a supported configuration. Um, I just did something wrong or I was not just aware of, of um, maybe a configuration item I should, should have done before. And it's something that works. So this is the great thing about vSphere and security right now. We can talk about workloads. Um, let's say naked vSphere customers, customers only use vSphere. They can certainly integrate security. And even if you're a vSphere and Horizon customer, it gives you an option to have built-in security and a one vendor strategy. And let's say this would be would be the sales pitch in the end. And Michael, is there because of that extra level of integration with the vSphere console? Let's say that there is a, a, a vulnerability or an anomaly detected. Is there any additional functionality that's gained, like the, that it could shut down the NIC or power off that particular VM above and beyond what's already uh, built into the Carbon Black console? Or is it just the, the Carbon Black console functionality and more of the deployment and initial setup? that's built into vSphere at this point? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, this is what I wanted to, to test and to see how it works, right? I'm, I'm not a security guy. Carbon Black was new for me. This product was new for me. And it was anyway a new product VMware has um, um, launched. And with, with the feature set I had, I couldn't go further. But in my understanding, um, correct me if I'm wrong, dear colleagues, but um, you can do more. It's what I can do at the moment with my current setup is to see the vulnerabilities, to see my assets, like we see here um, in my article, but you can go further and isolate uh, processes, network connections. You have an app, let's say application view, and you understand what's going on. And if you go further, if you have a security operation center, then you could, let's say, hunt the threat and um, do risk analysis, have IT service management included, all this kind of um, fancy stuff, I would say. But like I said, unfortunately, I couldn't test that. This is just one, one small piece, the tip of the iceberg. Sure, absolutely. And I'm yeah, I'll do a shout shout out for people that are you know listening to the podcast. If you want to go to uh, our YouTube channel, we do live stream this, and I, we are sharing his blog. And he does have the Carbon Black console in the blog, screenshots of that where he's looking at the you know uh, affected assets, vulnerabilities. It's actually a pretty interesting plugin that's that's there that gives you gives you nice visualization of kind of graphs and charts of what's actually happening. So uh, pretty interesting there. So there's different workload bundles that I see that you call out um, on on the, the this blog article. What when we refer to a bundle, a workload bundle, what do we mean by that, Michael? I, I'm not quite sure. I, I'm not familiar enough with a product, honestly, to know. So can you get into a little bit of that? Of I see, there's three separate types. There's workload essentials, advanced, and enterprise, which falls are pretty standard nature conventions. But what what is a, uh, a bundle, a workload bundle, and what's the differences amongst the three? Why, why would I want to pick one versus the other? Um, so, so bundle means in, in, in the bundles we have, let's say, features. Um, the one I had, I think this was work, um, the workload essentials, uh, the, the, the lowest or the smallest one. This was more about vulnerability management um, and workload inventory in the end. And th this includes the vCenter we said the plugin plus the, 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 the VM tools, which you would need uh, or include the sensor. If you want to do more, if you talk about uh, antivirus or next-gen antivirus, and if you want to go further with the analysis and with, suddenly we talk about endpoint detection response, and this is already a huge topic and very complex, um, then this would be, for example, the workload advanced edition. So it means you would have a larger feature set. It's not only about inventory, it's not about the plugin only, it's really you can do more and we talk about antivirus here. And 
let's say if we talk about uh, the use case of uh, VDI, um, I would see something like uh, the feature set of workload advanced um, in there for such an environment or deployment, but it's, it's getting complicated again. So I'm mentioning Horizon and with Horizon, we got workspace security. So this is another bundle. This is another flavor, let's say. And we are only focusing here on the on the regular workload bundles. Um, sure. I know it's, it already um, creates somehow confusion, but that's why I'm saying I try to simplify that. And if we only focus at the moment on workload, um, the third the third edition would be in the enterprise edition. So you can even do more, meaning if you want to spin up a complete security operation center, a SOC, then probably you have to go for a high edition. And if it's more about vulnerability management, you want to get started, you start with the essentials and um, the environment I had spin up. It looks like it, from the great graph that you have on the blog, that the, one of the key differences, obviously from essentials up to advanced, would be that you're gaining that next gen uh, AV and the behavioral EDR. And then more, as you had spoke to, once you're up to the enterprise level, this is obviously for uh, organizations that would have a dedicated SOC uh, uh, to, for vulnerability and um, you know, threat heading and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, for me, it was very complicated to understand what what is the real difference. And it starts, like you said, it starts with next gen and AV, so next generation antivirus. What does it mean? Um, I grew up um, with with antivirus. It's an agent. It detects something bad, and maybe you can block it, right? But we are going one step further here. Or the market is going one step further here, and this using combination of different technologies. We talk about um, behavioral detection. Um, user behavior uh, detection and um, machine learning in the end. So I think this is this is the very important piece here. If you need to gather the data, if you want to do something with the data, you need something with um, which is backed by artificial intelligence and machine learning. And this would be, the, for example, the big difference if we talk about, um, let's say, the higher edition compared to an essentials. Yeah, I'm sure that we can all remember back to the semantic days of, you know, semantic console with the semantic agent, and then you'd have yeah. to get the agent deployed, and then we'd have to set up the, the, how often the signatures would update, and then how there would be a, alerting back from the agent to the centralized console, and if there was a zero-day vulnerability that came out, whether that would, you know, did we get the, the updates patched in time out to the endpoints for those network, for those agents out on the edge, were they back to, to grab something, you know, were, were they allowed to do internet updates or do they have to come back to central server? I mean, all of the complexity of that. And now we've evolved so that this whole entire next gen idea that, that these threats are, are happening so often uh, and with such speed and, and uh, rapid delivery from, I mean, it's, it's CICD for, for the hacker community, right? I mean, that they're, they're really constantly trying to figure out where these threats are at. So we're, now we're looking at different ways of machine learning and artificial intelligence to, to take that new AV solution that's out there and figure out how to identify anomalies, what's your, you know, your normal run state and wh where's your anomalies at for certain machines. And obviously Carbon Black is doing that very, very well. Uh, and offering this is now as a, a baked-in solution within vSphere. So it's it's great to see. So yeah. we had talked about this. So we, we talked about it in a home lab sense. We you know it, VMware tools, OVA install the OVA installs into the vSphere client, and you're off and running. On that's for on-prem workloads. How would this work if we wanted to do something that would be a cloud workload like a VMC on AWS or? Uh, or one of the, our other cloud partner offerings? Is there a similar uh, mindset where we're deploying that OBA or we're deploying some type of packaged appliance? Can you, can you, do you know enough to speak to that? Is, it, is that something that you feel comfortable talking about of how that would work for cloud workloads? Um, I think it's, let's say, if we talk about something like VMware Cloud on AWS or Azure VMware solution where the VMware Cloud Foundation stack is running on the hyperscaler, um, you can look at it like a private cloud environment, right? So it's a regular uh, vSphere environment, uh, like you would have it on premises, but it's a managed service. And I could imagine, since it's almost the same, um, like an on-premise environment, that it would be the same procedure. Um, for sure, it, it's um, not having the same cadence in terms of releases and the support, uh, 
or the, um, if we talk about dependencies and different versionings. But I think in the end, it's 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 the same same approach. You would have the appliance. Um, this is what I I assume for the moment, and maybe in the future um, it's maybe not needed anymore because we can do so some fancy things in, in the public cloud. And is there a minimum version with this as far as vSphere? I mean, could we do this on 6.7 or is it 7.0 min? Um, I think you can even go with 6.5, probably 6.5 update 3. Um, otherwise, for sure, you can go back to 6.7. This is this is definitely supported. And you just need the VMware tools um, 11.2, um, which is the case with the most recent version of vSphere. So um, I think you're good to go with, if you take um, the downloads today. Nice. All right, getting back to your blog, um, which I, I got to say is a great blog. Everybody should go check it out. It really um, is. It's clean, great yeah. interface. We, we look right. at a lot of blogs, nice. Michael, and, and yours is it's very concise, easy to read, a great format. I encourage everybody to go out to, to cloud13.ch. Yep. So um, section in here on workload security for Kubernetes. And I know that you know we've been talking about Kubernetes for the last year now, and it is uh, one of the things modern apps, apps everywhere, anywhere, 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 I guess. Uh, so uh, you have a section on workload security for Kubernetes. Um, did you get to you know spend some time with this? Uh, what were your impressions? And as everybody asks about Kubernetes, like what's the setup? How does that, how hard is it to make that work? And, and function and you know managing your your pods and your workloads running on them. Um, I think that's a total different game. At the time of um, when I wrote the article, it was not out yet. So at VMworld, we present a lot of security around uh, containers and what we do with Carbon Black based on the Octarine acquisition. And the, let's say the first launch for Kubernetes and to provide security for it was at the end. I think it was around Christmas time. Um, when we announced that. And so I, I didn't have the chance um, to take a look at it. And But to be honest, when if you talk about modern apps or Kubernetes, this is not my world yet. I'm a, clearly an infrastructure guy. I have to um, step up there and gain knowledge. And uh, it would be great if I can one day, if I, if I find the time, um, look at this product. I think there are already some blog articles around um, in the internet and uh, which can give you an insight how it works and how it could look like. But I think we are not there yet where we should be. So it's it's the first launch. It's, let's say, the partial security for a com complete Kubernetes um, pipeline in the end for, for a software lifecycle. So as I understood it, it's, it's something called Kubernetes guardrails, which is more for the image process and the image scanning. But if you talk about the runtime piece of a container, this is not something we can provide yet. And we can expect a lot more to come from from the carbon black portfolio in in this year. Yeah. So in this area. yeah. So Octrin, O C T A R I N E, was the company we acquired in 2020. Uh, that's you know being integrated. So we have guardrails, but not necessarily uh, runtime yet. And you depict that nicely on your on your blog as well. So um, interesting to see what comes out from VMware. Uh, with regard to that, and you can imagine that we're we're working on that. Um, you know, we always get into uh, first. I want to backtrack a little bit and say we're, you're out of Switzerland, right? So somewhere it's it's dark yes. where you're at right now. I don't think I, I pinged you for that. So appreciate you staying up as late as you are to to be there. Um, what's on your roadmap for this for this year, right? As you know, you've you produced this blog um, on on security. Are you looking at other topics to to, to cover in your blog this year? Um, yes, definitely. So, what I'm looking at, or what what the the topics are with my customer right now, is is mostly edge computing. So we not talk only about modern apps. Uh, we can talk, for example, about the, about the edge. And people have a different understanding of edge and what VMware can offer. And it's it's a very complex, a very huge topic. We can talk about maybe I can even talk about the modern airport of the future with emerging technologies with AI ML um, that you provide a touchless uh, experience at the airport because of COVID. You need to have the right technology, meaning you can walk to an airport, um, getting straight to the airplane without any other personal. Interfering um, in your journey at the airport, something like this. Um, this I can imagine that this is 
a pretty hot topic. It's complex, and I think we need to, or I need to do more in this space. Um, the other part is always the multi-cloud and VMware Cloud Foundation. I think it's VMware talks a lot about this. I, I mean, VMware people, different people who are blogging, um, but it's still a very complex topic. And I think I will do more in this space, um, more about hybrid and multi-cloud and why VCF is, is relevant and maybe the use cases behind. All right. This is what I've uh, planned so far. Nice. Uh, both of those topics sound sound relevant. Uh, I noticed on your blog too, and I'm just you know kind of picking through your blog too. So forgive me if I ask stuff, but I noticed you also have you know certifications. You got your V expert in 2021, so congrats you congrats on that one. Uh, you're a VMware certified professional. You have Azure fundamentals, AWS cloud practitioner. Then we start getting into advanced professional seven for VMware. You have uh, VMware specialist. Uh, you. You haven't even have Cisco certified CCNP. Uh, what's your certification plan for this year? Anything standing out with regard to what you want to uh, get on on your sidebar next? Uh, yeah, I, I plan to um, sit on the uh, Horizon Deploy exam, so the VCAP Deploy exam for, for the DTM track, um, since I already got um, the design part, but uh, COVID made that impossible, so I cannot go to a test center. And to be honest, I have too much work. I expect another baby in summer. And I think my wife is not so happy if I stay in the office uh, after work and just study for a few weeks. So I think this, this certification, so to achieve the VCIX DTM certification, I need to postpone that for a while. Um, I wanted even to go for the VCF specialist exam just to see which question would come up. Is it possible to... Uh, to pass this exam without any hands-on, just in the lab uh, and to reading a lot of PDFs. Uh, like I said, I'm I am having not enough time at the end of the day. And I believe if I do something like this, it's probably going to be end of the year. And like I said, so far only these two. Okay, that was an easy question. I got another medium easy question for you because uh, I love <laughs> Um, you run a home lab and it's a super micro home lab. I'm on a super micro myself for my home lab. Uh, any plans? Uh, what's your what's your weakest part of your home lab? And uh, any plans over the next three years for what you're going to do with your home lab? I mean, you always have to think about, do I really need the home lab? I think this is the biggest uh, topic right now. Do I have time to maintain it? I mean, it's it's VCR 7, but I could update it to VCR 7 update 2. I could talk about Tanzu, do something like this. Um, I think the weakest spot is the networking. I, I don't need uh, redundant management uplinks. I have a basic setup with three nodes using vSAN, um, let's say consumer disks. I would expect that a disk would probably crash in a, in a few months or even in a few years without me touching the lab for that time because I'm busy taking care of my baby, right? And with work. And I hope I will I will need it someone for yeah to get deeper in the topic um, maybe to get my first hand on experience with with Tanzu or VCR with Tanzu. Okay, follow up question: Do you keep your home lab powered up, or do you only power it up when you have something that you want to work on? I'm a lazy person, so it's it's still turned on. Um, I like also if I go back to the cellar of it's we call it um, the, the the room you know with with the heater for the water um, and the water softener. Um, I like to open the door and hear the fans blowing. And that's why I also keep keep it up running. Um, and if I need it for, for a blog article very quickly, then I know I don't have to spin it up. I know everything is working. Uh, vSAN data stores are still here. So yeah, I'm lazy and I, will t I, I really happily pay the, the, tech, uh, the, the electric bill in the end. Yeah, right. Consumer well, that's, versus commercial SSDs seems to be the spaces versus tabs of the VExpert home lab de new debate. There's so much discussion out there of what, what you can get away with as far as commercial SSDs versus the, the consumer or prosumer ones that are out there. But yeah, I'm the same way, Michael. I, I tend to keep my lab on it as well and keep it up and running. It's especially difficult depending on how you do the shutdowns, right? And with the, the, the vSAN environment. But great to see that you're running one there. And anything else that you would add besides an additional node? Do you, do you sit V 
eGPUs or anything out there else that, that you're looking at? Um, I'm not one of the crazy guys like um, Eric Busank or the Home Lab King, um, who's quite famous, right? So I wanted to have a, a vGPU back in the EUC days um, to do some testing with, with Horizon. So I'm, I was not lucky enough to get one. I think my wife also wouldn't approve to spend money for that. But yeah, I, I think it's it, it based on your needs. I, I don't have uh, much expectation from, from the lab. If it's running, great. If it's not running, I will take care of it another time. And if I have to replace something after a few months or years, um, I will invest a few hundred bucks and make it running again. Right, we have these, you know, the, the home lab kings on here, the ones that spend, you know, six figures US in, in some of these investments, but we shouldn't set that standard out there for the community, right? These things can be run on NUX um, and, and very small deployments with, you know, for a two node with a witness for vSPAN to just to get you started as you're learning the environment, whatnot. And as you had mentioned, this can scale as your needs uh, and experience develop that you can add that additional node and scale up just as we do in the you know the, the large commercial data center. So so it's great to see, and it, we should acknowledge that that's out there. That you know, it doesn't have to be something that's absolutely crazy and over the top. <laughs> Definitely uh, not. To, to and produce then great we, content we should, like you do. Yeah, we should also do a shout out to the V Expert program and the V Mug program for giving you year licenses. So if you need licenses, there's there you can go do that. It's always one of my questions, which is how do I license this stuff? And to back to your carbon black, you know, question we do have is what do we do with licenses on SaaS products, right? Because that's becoming a challenge. And where I thought you were going with uh, your original, do I want to keep my lab up? You know when do I just go to an AWS cloud server and just let run all this stuff over there, right? And uh, not even have hardware anymore, but just, you know, create enough in some kind of SaaS environment that I'm just spending my, you know, if I had a, a you know, $2,000 budget to do hardware, maybe every refresh every three to four years, you know, can I divide that 2000 by a monthly cost on a SaaS VM somewhere and get, enough that I can set up and use the software there versus, you know, keeping something spun up in my house. Now you have an interesting point, Michael, which is uh, you don't get to hear the fans. You don't get to open your, your closet door and uh, hear everything whirring and look at everything and physically see all the lights blinking, knowing that it's running and that you're doing it yourself, which I think, I think does have some benefit, but at the same time, you know, learning cloud GUIs and menus and how to manage VMs in the cloud is also a skill set that I think we're all going to have to have on our resume. And so you almost need to have both, If or maybe you don't need to have a home lab anymore, that really what we're going to do is go run SaaS lab services in a SaaS environment, and yeah, that's going to be the end of my days having hardware keeping my house warm. But uh, yeah, have you have you been thinking about that? I mean, if you think about, uh, let's say, my role, I'm a solution engineer. It's for me, it, um, people expect that I know a lot um, from almost everything, right? Even the public cloud. And it's, 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 it's an operation model with, with different services um, hosted uh, in different clouds. And why did I, did I do the certification? It, it was because I want to understand, let's say, the other world, the other vendor better. Because as we know, VMware has partnerships. We have integrations with different clouds and different services. And I think it's mandatory uh, today to have this kind of knowledge and um, yeah, to, to, to get experience in the other world that you understand what you can do and that me for my role that I can help customers and partners in the best way. And this would also allow me to write, let's say, um, real life blog articles for real life use cases. Yeah, I think that we're going to have to do everybody in chat and is agreeing that you almost need you need both nowadays uh, to be an effective um, IT administrator, right? You you need to you need to have both, and it might be good for uh, us uh, to look for a community manager that has a community person, IT practitioner, blogger, whatever, that has both, that has managed to set up this and can give us best practices on 
how to decide how much to build in the cloud versus how much to build on prem in our own home labs and and listen to what the experiences are from a few people that have actually done both and done a good job at that and and do you create a hybrid environment where you're you know you're moving workloads from one to the other and so forth because that's that's kind of where everything is going and really from a realistic perspective you got to have both uh, and and VMware is certainly jumping heavily into SaaS services and all of this. So, for instance, Carbon Block will be a SaaS service, and you have it on prem, but you're running the SaaS service, you know, in, in the cloud. And so, uh, this is a reality of what we're all going to be dealing with in the next few years. So, we should probably we should probably do a deep dive on that on that topic on its own, right? So, yeah. In some ways, right? You, you could think about it that if you would move entirely to the cloud, like let's say that you would you want to move your you know home lab up to VMC on AWS, you get into that mentality of uh, now I have what I need on AWS and I know AWS well. But to Michael's point, doesn't that limit you a little bit of well? We need to know what the other offerings are out there. We need to look at GCP. We need to look at what out is out there for, for Azure. So in some ways, I think that really validates, as Tony Foster has put here on chat as we're, we're, we're coming along, that you do need that that both. You need the on-prem, which is obviously a tremendous amount of the, the existing workloads that are out there. But then you also need to have that cloud model as well. And the more that you can get experience with the flavors of the cloud model that's out there, I think the better off that you are. Yeah, I mean, th this is this is great if you could go for VMC and AWS and if you want to test the product, I think this is great. But one of the reasons that I think um, many people will agree here, the advantage or the cool thing about the home lab is that you can order parts, you can install them, you can mount them, you can look for a fancy case, put even some nice shiny LEDs inside. And in the end, if you press the power button the first time, this gives you satisfac satisfaction if it's coming up up and uh, running in a successful way. And I think this is the part which is um, keeping people excited. You know, the geeky stuff to provide, to configure VLANs and routing. And um, I know people having crazy BGP routing tables and I don't know, do, do stuff which you normally shouldn't do at home. This is stuff you do at work. And I think this would be missing if you go for something like VMC and AWS. There is, you're right. There is that geek factor, right? There, there. Yeah. If we can even say that, that I, I, I'll call it the geek factor. I'll, I'll take the, the blame for that. But the, the idea of the physical button press, the, the shiny blinky light, that of uh, first time to spin up a, a box that, that you've gone out and procured the individual parts and whatnot, and the satisfaction. I mean, it's deeply satisfying of going through what, what do I, what super micro do I need to buy? Where am I going to get the RAM at? What drives should I use now? How am I going to do the networking? Is there special cables that I want to use for, for color coding and whatnot? And, and putting all of that componentry together to build all of your own infrastructure. Well, if you're doing something through an ILO or a DRAC or some remote console in AWS, yeah, it's definitely not the same, right? It's there's yeah. something to be said for that that button press and and still doing the componentry, if you will. I would totally miss that exactly. Yeah, the other thing that I I like about having my own gear and I put a super super macro down in a buddy's cage in San Jose, so it just sits in his cage and I have it and we have vSphere on it. Um, is it would we want to spin up another server to do something, right? Um, the cost is zero. Right. Like, you know, if I want to spin up three new VMs to do something, the cost is still zero. Right. I have to manage my memory utilization and my workloads. But a super micro has a lot of, me you know, like it's like, I think it has 64 gig on it. So and that's enough to run a lot of little VMs doing various things. And the cost for additional capacity is zero, zero, zero. So I don't feel guilty spinning up <laughs> a project for, you know, X amount of time or leaving it running until I feel like bringing it down. We spun up a first star online server, game server, and we have like a 50 Brazilians in playing and it doesn't cost me anything, right? Where the minute I go cloud and I start building my lab out on cloud and I've done this, I have, you know, uh, uh, AWS instances, right? Uh, next thing I turn around and I got a thousand dollar a month bill, right? You know, that I didn't even realize, oh, if you don't actually decommission the VM, 
they don't they're they're going to charge you regardless of whether you have it spun up or not you actually have to destroy the bits right which cloud becomes this th for a lab guy for a guy that's testing you know and s installing and then not bringing things back down it gets the bills get weird you know and and uh, because i'm cheap you know because we're all cheap because this is not what we're getting paid for this is kind of like our education budget um yeah that's that's where i think my own gear makes a lot of sense for me because i don't have to worry about the dollar spend month after month right so yeah that's the my antithesis to that being though that it, the the spend right when it's when it's truly coming out of your pocketbook you you learn that right that's going to be a, a quick learn right <laughs> there's going to be that thousand dollar charge that's yeah out there. you're going to be you're going to know about it and that would carry over to your commercial application hopefully this yeah, is everything yeah this is true um it, it does it does make you coach whoever you're working with on apps or in the cloud, you make you coach them, hey, be careful. You you want to have cloud health or something set up to manage because these guys will charge you, right? And they and they're they're there they're there to make money. Um, so be be careful. But on the other hand, hardware hardware costs money. So it's not like everything is free. Um, we are coming up to the top of the hour. So with it with a, I think about eight minutes left here, thought uh, one I would just ask uh, Michael, are you on Twitter, Matt? I know that's your favorite question, but uh, I'll throw it in here. Which is, are you on Twitter? Do you do something besides blog? Are you famous Instagram photo taker? Do you do do you do foodie blogs? Uh, what is your social profile? How people follow you michael uh i'm really bad at this let's say linkedin is probably the most active platform i'm using um but i'm active on twitter since i think when i started blogging i created a twitter account for self-marketing to get in touch with the right people and the community uh, my handle is uh, online michael redman um, i think beyond on on twitter mentioned my name in the comments um, since you haven't mentioned my handle and I think you can get in touch with me on Twitter. Um, you can also try it on LinkedIn. Sure. Okay. All right. So we'll yep. Underscore Michael and then Rebman being R-E-B-M-A-N-N. -N. Correct, sir? Yep, that's right. Yeah. And, and Michael is M-I-C-H-A-E-L versus my favorite Nordic spelling, M-I-K-K-E-L. But uh, no, we're going to traditional Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Rebman, R-E-B-M-A-N-N. With an underscore at the beginning. There you go. Okay. With a Swiss, you never know. You never know. You never <laughs> know. So where in uh, Switzerland do you live? Because I've been to Switzerland, and it's like a lot of people live across the borders of different places and telecommute or commute into Germany, or they commute into whatever the other countries are, uh, Belgium, or I forget which one is up next to Switzerland there. But uh, where do you live, and where do you actually uh, work? So um, I live in the north northwestern part of Switzerland, um, in Basel. Some people know it. It's clear, uh, close to the German border. And I'm living in a small time, town outside of the city. And normally I work at least once. Uh, I should go there. I work in Zurich in the office. But as it happens with my job, normally I would travel around um, here in Switzerland, sometimes in, in Europe. And I think it's... 12 months, it's not possible for some reason anymore. And that's why I'm stuck here in home office. Nice, nice. Um, other question for you, which is out of the blue, but I, 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 I'm, this is my global experience. How much does it cost for a kilowatt hour of power? Oh, no clue, 20 no cents? Clue. No clue. Six that's cents in the night? Wow. I just pay the bill. I don't take care about that. No. <laughs> We pay we pay seventeen cents in California, so seventeen cents a kilowatt hour, which isn't too bad if you keep a you know if you keep a couple hundred watt server up and running, you're going to be spending maybe twenty five thirty dollars a month U.S. to to do that. So there you go. Yeah. But I think my home lab didn't make that that much a difference, um, so it was quite okay at the end of the month. Nice, nice. All right. Well, Michael Redman, thank you very much for being a great blogger. Go check out his blog, cloud13.ch. Matt, anything else for him before uh, we move on to the V Barbecue Report with uh, Tony Foster? I just want to point out an additional blog entry that Michael has out there on how the, the title of the particular entry was how becoming a VMware V expert changed my life. 
And I read through it prior to, to us starting uh, this particular episode, and it's a fantastic history of Michael's career and, and why he decided to, to pursue certain certifications and eventually be expert. And above and beyond the carbon black entry, I'd encourage others to go out there and read through it as well. It's, it's very well written and uh, an excellent read. Thank you. Thank you much for that. Thanks a lot, Michael. Um, we'll transition now. Thank you for listening to the end, guys. If you listen to the end, you get to hear about the V Barbecue Report, and I will actually show you our, our top secret VMware Influencer 100 plaque that's going out to the VMware Influencer 100. If you're a Influencer 100 member, uh, you know who you are, and you should get this. Um, if you are if you have a lot of followers and uh, you get a lot of traffic, um, we tag you as a VIN VM, VMware Influencer 100, and uh, we, we give you special stuff and engage with you differently. But Tony Foster, I know you're, I'm sitting here looking at you, maybe we <laughs> Add you to the stream. There you are. How's it going? Uh, any interesting barbecue reports uh, this week? It, it's going great. So I have two things. Um, this week, uh, steak. I, I did a couple of nice steaks uh, this uh, last week, and oh, they turned out great. Um, first steaks of the season, and it's just really exciting to have them. Um, I soak them in beer. Know. Did you have snow on the ground while you were out there barbecuing out there in mm. Kansas? No, actually, it's been around 70 degrees this last week, so there's no snow anywhere to be found. Um, Excellent. I, I have my fingers crossed. Maybe this week we'll get some snow this weekend. Um, no. So that's uh, the first part so of the barbecue steak. report. Do you run up, uh, do you, do you, do you monitor the temperature when you, do you put a probe in the steak and then run it to like 135 and then, you know, so you know exactly what's inside or do you, are you just kind of like a time it and go for it? So I, I'm one of these people who will sit there and watch how it's cooking on the grill. And there's this great tip and I can't remember where I learned it uh, from, but if you take your pinky and your thumb, um, you can start moving through the different grades of finish on your steak by touching the uh, muscle right below your thumb. And then as you move your fingers, you'll notice that it gets softer and softer until you get to a uh, um, rare steak finish. So you can do a uh, feel test with your hand without actually touching the steak to find out where your uh, steak is in the finish. So it works really nicely. You're living up there in cattle country, right? I think I've seen you on the web, you know, going to the, you know, the, the county fairs and the, you know, the 4-H clubs where they're actually raising the cows that we actually manage to eat every once in a while. So I guess you would learn that those kind of stuff, that kind of tricks from, from your, your community ecosystem. Uh, very much so. Um, and the other thing is uh, fire safety. Um, with a grill and barbecuing, especially this time of year, uh, at least in the Midwest, it's fire season. Don't let your uh, charcoal get out of control and uh, set the neighborhood on fire. Note to sell. Note to sell. <laughs> Smokey the Bear reports that uh, he wants you to be safe as well. All right. Well, that's it. Traditional steak. Did you any do anything else, or was uh, was it the traditional steak that uh, it, you it got was one more? Just the traditional steak. Just the traditional nice. steak and be careful with the charcoal. It is that time of year again where it's going to be nice weather and people are going to be able to barbecue. Um, I'm going to try to do some ribs because it is that time to get some nice uh, smoky ribs going. And we're coming into the smoker season where because it's nice enough outside, you can do your six or seven hour smoke. We'll get Corey Romero on again to uh, talk about uh, what he's been doing up there in Utah when it comes to smoking. A uh, lot of good beef out there. I, I would say that we did the same thing where, you know, just start out with the basics, get yourself some nice cuts of meat and uh, it's literally three minutes on each side flip it a couple times and i use a temperature probe because i don't i don't understand that 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 finger thing you did uh, and i just make sure that it gets up to 135 and anything over 135 it turns out really nice yeah there you go matt i didn't hear a word you said if he said something i don't know what you said no but no just just finger gestures i i'm oh, waiting for i'm waiting for the steak 
um, plugin for PowerShell to, to make an API call to figure out when mine are done. I, I, there you go. I just burn the thing to death. Right. There you go. I'll do a Raspberry Pi. You can get these fancy mobile that they put the thermometer in and, uh, you know, watch it on your iPhone. But the truth is with steak, it only takes like literally three minutes aside twice. You flip it twice. So the most you're doing is nine minutes with a with charcoal. I have a temperature pro a temperature gun and you get your charcoal up to about 450, 500 degrees in the grill, which is easy that's just basically lighting your charcoal and letting it get hot uh and then you're like three 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 and you're done and it's yeah so why you need a mobile app with a temperature probe and you know walk away from the grill you know you know what you get you call chefs that walk away from their grill burn masters right because if you're not watching it's gonna burn eric why do you need a home lab i i think that's why you need the fancy uh monitoring tools for steak Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a way to convince your, your significant other that uh, we're going to spend some more money on some gear. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, again, we're at the top of the hour. Thank you very much to Julia Klaus uh, for, uh, for recording and making sure everything runs right. Thank you for Michael for being here. It was fun to see your blog article and uh, talk to everybody. Uh, we will be back here again next week and uh, we will continue on. I think we've got everybody booked out until uh, mid-May. So we're going to be a busy schedule this year and uh, hope to see you guys uh, online at VMworld. VMworld is bubbling and percolating. They are going to be talking about doing some uh, real-time online community with Slack this year. So uh, like, uh, pay attention to that. We should uh, have a better community experience for everybody that's watching sessions together. Uh, that'll be a, a big one for VMworld this year. Uh, they are going to uh, put more tech around community and uh, a virtual village. So uh, stay tuned there. Until then, everybody have a good weekend. Stay safe. Hopefully everybody finds a way to get vaccinated in the next couple months so that uh, we can see you somewhere at a VMUG. Until then, have a great day. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, the community. We'll see you next week.